going on, everybody? Before we jump into this episode, we have our usual fish head diagnostics question of the week. And this week's question was submitted by Dario Oman. He asks, other than expanding your collection, it seems the best way to contract Nido into your collection would be bringing your animals to reptile shows for vending. What steps would you recommend in decreasing the risk of your animals contacting Nido virus as well as other diseases when at a reptile show? Which is a great question. The answer is, thank you for, f- thank you for submitting this thought-provoking question. While they can be lucrative for a vendor, having animals at a reptile show poses a huge health risk to not only the animals at the show, but the animals in your collection when returning from a show. Being in a large open forum, such as an exhibit hall, can expose your reptiles to a multitude of disease entities. To better understand this particular scenario, I like to equate it to being stuck in an airplane with a passenger that has the flu. You may be 20 rows away, but if the person is coughing and you are sharing their airspace or you touch the same overhead compartment as they do, uh, after they've coughed into their hand, you could contract the flu. Several reptile diseases have the potential to infect a wide variety of species and cause morbidity and, in many cases, mortality of animals. Important diseases such as nidovirus, paramyxovirus, IBD, cryptosporidium, etc., can all be transmitted during a show. Introduction of just one sick animal into a closed environment, such as a reptile show, can be cause a ripple effect, leading to illness and or even death due to disease acquired while on display. To minimize the risk of transmission, the ideal situation would be to refrain from bringing live animals to shows. If you do choose to vend or visit a reptile show, there are some precautions that could decrease the chance of disease transmission. The first would be to minimize handling of animals by buyers or by other vendors. Reptile shows are inherently stressful for animals, and as such, this can comprise their immune system. Com- compromise their immune system. Handling increases stress and transmission of diseases from a person's hand, clothing, or even hair can occur. For example, if a buyer goes to a vendor table and handles a ball python with Nido, then comes to your table and handles one of your ball pythons, the chances for disease transmission to your collection increase significantly. Hand sanitizer is an option for disinfection between handling but it's not a foolproof method since you can't dip a whole person in hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer may may not kill some of the diseases due to inadequate contact time, poor hand coverage, or stability of the organism against the disinfectant in the sanitizer. Be vigilant about display enclosures. While you want to make sure the animals have adequate airflow and that people can see them, minimizing exposure of the animals to common air spaces should be a priority. We all know those folks that like to walk around with their animals or newly purchased pets. Imagine if one of those pets was carrying a disease and they are breathing into your animal's enclosure. Reduce the chance for transmission by putting a barrier that impedes other animals from coming close to your collection. Get creative and be vocal about your commitment to keeping your collection healthy by following biosecurity procedures. If you do choose to bring your animals to a show upon return, any animal that left the collection and is coming back in or any new acquisition should go into quarantine for at least 90 days. Pre- and post-quarantine testing for communicable diseases is warranted before these animals re-enter the main population again. It is also important to remember that you were at the show and and could be carrying around diseases. Removal of clothing and shoes as well as showering before you enter your collection is recommended to ensure that you are not acting as a fomite. Also, don't forget to disinfect any equipment used outside of your collection during the show. To sum it up, although shows can be a great forum for, can be a great forum to talk about reptiles, interact with experts, and meet up with colleagues, they are not a safe place for animals. Seriously, consider the risks of bringing animals into a shared space with other collections of unknown health status before you decide to participate. Once again, Dario, 
thanks for the question for this week. And everyone remember to share knowledge, not Nido. Now we can get into this episode with Steve Spear of Southern Arboreals and Thomas Schramm from Austral Gecko. Enjoy. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz of JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Everybody, this is episode 43 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. Normally, I'm joined by Jacob Bratz of JLB Morelia, but he is coming back from Northeast Carpet Fest. I'm sure he is extremely hungover. So, everyone, keep him in your thoughts. <coughs> uh, tonight, joined by Steve Spear of Southern Arboreals and Thomas Schramm of Austral Gecko. What's up, y'all? Doing good. What's up, guys? How's it, uh, is, Steve? Is it is it pouring down rain up up your way? You know, uh, it was raining yesterday. Um, it rained a little bit today. We had some thunder showers, and I was hoping that they would pass us, and they did. Mm-hmm. So the connection should be good, and I'm ready to roll. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, last time the cell signal uh, sucked. Yeah, we get a lot of people who have to go like somewhere other than their house. To, to talk mm-hmm. uh thomas what about you man you're in the pacific northwest right yes sir cool um it's been dry and hot yeah we just, it just it's been raining here constant the last like three days but oh, we didn't have sucks. we didn't have rain for like a month before that so we needed it desperately yeah everyone wanted it and we got it so very true all right so Let's, let's we'll get into it. But Stephen, um, or Steve, my dad's name is Stephen, so it's, I've naturally whatever you want to call there. me. All right, Stevie, Stevie <laughs> Nicks. Stevie Nicks sounds good. Stevie Nicks. Uh, give us a rundown of who you are, man, and what you do, what you work with, all that good stuff. I am Stephen Spear, or Stevie Nicks Spear, from Southern Arboreals. <laughs> Uh, currently, I'm working with the uh, Ractodactyla ciliatus, the crested geckos, green tree pythons, and uh, green tree monitors. Yeah, you just got that green tree monitor too, didn't you? How's that going? Uh, you know what? Uh, so far, so good. The uh, monitor's settling in. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got a new video uh, uploaded today um, introducing the green tree monitor and... Um, I think the video turned out pretty well, so... Yeah, I saw it in my, in my subscription feed. I haven't watched it yet, though. Okay, yeah. Hopefully everybody finds the information helpful. Um, and I'd like to make future videos on that... Or on the... Uh, the blah, blah, blah. Sorry. <laughs> the green tree monitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah that cool. looks awesome, man. <laughs> if I was going to do monitors, it would be the smaller stuff like that, or the blacks, or the blues, even. Any of them. Any of the tree oh. monitors, Just those are the ones that have my attention the most. All right. Thomas, what about you, man? Anyone who's in the Crested uh, Gecko or Rack Realm <laughs> likely knows of you. Yeah. Uh, I'm Thomas Ram of Austral Gecko. Uh, me and Steve actually uh, started the, the breeding operation uh, a few years back. We were both in the Navy mm-hmm. and uh, kind of, like, fell into it. 
and uh yeah just been going ever since uh so I mostly breed uh the ciliatus um i do have you know a lychee and uh seven chihua a couple of gargs so i kind of do a little bit of um everything with the new cows mm -hmm. that's kind of where my interests are man see i got out of geckos uh last year and i would get back into them for chewies dude they're awesome they're so cool <laughs> my friend has one up it's uh amber at night owl exotics who lives up in columbia mm -hmm. and uh i got to play with hers last time we were up that way and I was like, man, if I came across a pair of these for a you know semi reasonable price, I'd I'd get back into geckos for them. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, so when uh, Steve and I we we went down to uh, I think it was a Repticon down mm -hmm. in San Diego, we were seeing uh, Chewy sell for like three fifty, and now uh, they're like yeah easy easy over like a thousand dollars. You know, depending yeah. on locale, but it's crazy. So, sorry to jump in real quick. It uh, it was the Reptile Super Show in San Diego, and it, remember he was selling it for one twenty-five. That's was ridiculous. He? Yeah, remember he was Dude, selling it, it for one twenty-five, but we had to like uh, buy a couple more geckos, and he was gonna cut us a deal for one hundred and twenty-five bucks. He's gonna sweeten, yeah, sweeten the deal. He's gonna lube it up some. Yeah, dude, and it was <laughs> probably one of the nicest looking chihuahuas I've seen. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a. It was a nice one for sure. But we were both like flat broke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had just enough to get to the show and like go look at everybody's tables. Isn't that the and, worst? Uh, basically, make it back home. So yeah. yeah, but it was cool. I mean, we saw a lot of really cool stuff there. So. Well, I will say I was using the calcium supplement, the liquid calcium that y'all made for the better part of the last year that I was keeping Cresteds, and loved it. Oh yeah, dude. That stuff is awesome, but they, uh, I guess they had like some weird like recall on it uh, a couple years back. So mm -hmm. they basically pulled it all from production. I haven't seen it pop back up. I've I've been looking because <laughs> that stuff works great. It's uh, it's a lot better than the powder. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lifesaver, uh, and y'all were considerably cheaper than other people that were that were selling it, and you had bigger bottles. So I was I was on that right. train and immediately. Yeah. Well, like being a pharmacy tech too, I, I, uh, I try to dose it to where it was easier to, you give just like, you know, 0 0.1 per, per, uh, mm -hmm. gram of body weight. So it just seemed uh, easier to dose too. And so how many, how many Cresteds do you have right now? Uh, <laughs> it fluctuates, uh, daily. <laughs> uh, I've got, uh, close to 200, I think. Ooh. Um, which for us is actually kind of a small number. Um, a few years back, we, we hit over 400. Um, we absorbed a collection, and then we were just breeding like crazy. Uh, okay. Um, so this this last season, we kind of lightened lightened our numbers, and uh, yeah, kind of just didn't pair as many. I got um, you. To keep it down to a more manageable level, that's, mm -hmm. that's a lot of time. That is a know? lot of time. Man, I was at like... <laughs> that's a ton of time. I think the most I had at one point was maybe 70 and almost all a good a very big chunk of those were were hatchlings yeah. and it just it got well, i mean i i got to a point where i just i was like man i I miss keeping snakes full time like this is it was just sucking yeah. up so many hours of my week and i just you know i said it's just time to time to move on and yeah. focus on the focus on the legless stuff right yeah it's a lot i mean it's a lot of cleaning and maintenance for sure yeah. humidity is like the most 
you know, a crucial part of it. So mm-hmm. you don't have that under control. Everything else kind of falls to crap. So. All right. And Steve, how many do you have right now? Uh, right now, oh, geez, I got 75. Oh, okay. So maybe closer to 80. Mm-hmm. I have to count them all. But um, I acquired, um, I hit same, I was into Crusteds. Um, I got out of them probably for a year. And then um, I hit up Austral Gecko, and I was like, you got any Geckos? <laughs> so, I <could> get, <laughs> so I could get back in the game. Um, so currently I'm working with uh, red Crusteds, like Harlequins, mm-hmm. Extreme Harlequins, and I'm doing uh, some tricolor projects right now. Nice. So uh, our tricolor project's going pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, we acquired a couple tricolors from Northern Gecko. Actually, my wife bought them. Um, so she spent some good coin and got a breeder pair and, you know, we've uh, produced a lot of good stuff so far. And they're in Canada, right? Yeah. So what was, what was your experience with getting those stateside? Like what kind of hoops did you have to jump through? So basically, um, they've made it a lot easier back in the day. You had to call them and give them like the identification number of the gecko Mm -hmm. that you wanted to buy. And they would take like your credit card information over the phone. Mm-hmm. But now it's like you can purchase it from the site. And uh, what Northern does is they have specific times where they'll ship out like all their geckos at one time because yeah. they have to go through customs. Right. Um, and then they'll let us know ahead of time like um, the shipping dates and if it works for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's that's how they get them through uh, customs so they can go stateside. Gotcha. Yeah, I think they're in. I think they're in like uh, Toronto. Yeah, um, it was either that or so Ontario. Like, yeah, it's somewhere, but they're uh, they're about a, like a half hour, an hour away from Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty easy. They just transport everything over and then ship it once they hit stateside. But yeah, like Steve said, they have to go through customs to get everything cleared first. Mm-hmm. And was it still overnight with them being that close to the border? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah they're still overnight. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And was shipping any different? No. As far as price Not goes? Really. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's about the same, you know, 50, 60 bucks oh, wow. for overnight. I, don't, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never purchased anything outside of the States, so I don't know what that whole process involves. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. <clears throat> I just know there's it's, a lot of, like, Indonesian guys on Instagram that are like, give me your WhatsApp number, I've got all this stuff available, and I'm like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, that seems a little questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, I mean we've we've uh, exported geckos from the states over to you know Germany, mm-hmm. UK, Hong Kong, Korea. Um, we just use uh, DDI, yeah. uh, Dutch Dragon Imports, and uh, the person basically contacts that company once they buy they purchase animal from us. Um, we pay for shipping to whatever stateside facility they go to, mm-hmm. and uh, DDI usually reaches out to us and tells us you know what address to ship to um all that information and then from there they they handle the rest it's kind of crazy how it all happens yeah that makes it a little less of a of a nightmare but i will tell you the thing i what i do miss as far as geckos go i do miss my gargoyles because i my gargoyles are pretty sweet they're cool looking man they They are you know they got the horns on the top of the head and all that Mm -hmm. it's crazy I tried to get some some eggs out of mine, and I don't know. The female didn't seem 
she was a first time breeder and she just she you know like the typical thing where you first pair them and the females trying to figure out what's going on right and i at some point you know i'd leave the male in with her overnight and then pull them the next day and give them a day or two off and then try it again and i never got anything out of them but it was uh it, it was not long before i just decided to to focus on snakes altogether so yeah you gotta do what you love man i mean geckos are cool but mm-hmm. i don't know snakes snakes uh i mean the maintenance on them yeah they depending spoil you. on you know what they are yeah it's it's kind of <laughs> it's a little bit easier to do easier to manage i guess mm-hmm. yeah i caught the chondro bug man and that was it they uh yeah you need to get into chondros thomas <laughs> you've been telling me that for years man but you got to you got to produce my first one, so that's what I'm working on. <laughs> how's that, how's that coming along? That a uh, pair of Aru's, mm-hmm. Um I still have them paired together. Um, I got a lay box in her enclosure. She's using it, but um, I think she's just trying to get away from the male, to be honest. <laughs> so, because <laughs> he's just on her all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think probably within this week coming up, I might remove the next nest box, um, and put one of the perches back in and see if anything happens. Yeah. Maybe take her out and take a look at her and see if anything's going on. Yeah. I mean, it was this time of year last year that I paired mine and then they, you know, I saw a bunch of possible locks, a couple of ones that look really concrete. They look solid. And I didn't get eggs until like what the end of December, so I pretty much yeah, just left it, them in until I noticed her her something was going on. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I paired them up at the right time. Um, there has been locks, I know that for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I guess we'll just see what happens. So I'm gonna keep them together um, till we get something. You know, separate them for feeding, right, but um, right. um, just keep them together, and then uh, eventually I'll get lucky and something will happen. Yeah, I mean, if you're seeing locks, then that's good, and if the male's not leaving her alone, that's good too, because that's what mine did. I felt bad for her after a while. Yeah, this constantly, constantly harassing her. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, "Come on, baby." And it was funny too, because like I they. Like a storm front would roll through like we've had the last few days and he'd be all over her and then it would stop and then they'd be at opposite ends of the cage for two weeks and then some more rain would come and he'd be all over her again and then it would stop and they'd separate. So it was it was really interesting and I talked about this on the Condro cast the other night but it's just really interesting to see sort of the interaction between the two and how he can tell when she's ready and, and make it happen. Yeah. So I hope I can join the fan club of uh, producing uh, some green trees. I get to attempt to get mine to eat tonight for the twentieth time. Woo! Yeah, I hear that's like kind of a, a difficult. Thing yeah, that's the that's yeah, the hardest eat. part with them, like out of anything, is just getting these babies to eat on their own. Eventually, Steve will know what it's know what it's like. He'll he'll feel the frustration. I see uh, everybody going through the frustrations uh, just listening to the Chondro cast and because <laughs> uh, that, that's what I, I listen to your guys, both of your guys' uh, podcasts when mm-hmm. I'm on my way home from work. So 
or if I'm doing reptile stuff, whenever your new episodes come up, I listen to them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because Jake had his baby's hatch and he's bragging about how they ate in the first week and this, that, and the other. And <laughs> all of his do nothing but bite them like they're, they're little assholes. And mine, for the most part, are pretty chill. And I've gotten a few to eat, but I'm good friends with David Brahms at Specialty Enclosure Designs. And so we're constantly messaging each other pretty much every week. Like, how many years are taken now? And it's like, well, I got one more to take, but it won't take again. And yeah, it's just getting your ass kicked by him constantly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, keeping them is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you, you were saying like, it's easy to breed them and get eggs, but then the incubation parts and getting them to eat is the hardest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I mean, once oops. they're like, that's the great thing though, is once they're on, they're on like they're machines when it comes to food, you just have to get them there. Yeah. To recognize it. <clears throat> and I've tried all the tricks that everyone keeps telling me to try, and I'm like, none of these are working. Mine are a special case, I guess. But you're the man. You are the man. I'm enjoying it, though. Yeah. Like, I like the challenge. Like, it feels really good when you get one to eat. Oh, man. You know, I I can't wait for that experience. That's going to be so awesome. Like, when that first like, one of mine took, I was like, at least one's going to survive out of the ten. Like, at least one is going to live now. Yeah, and, uh, I always say if I can get just one egg to hatch, then, and I can successfully keep it alive, mm-hmm. you know, which that's I, all you I need, did, man. That's it, you know. That's like it. it would still be nice to have more than one, mm-hmm. but you know, um, that's I've been working on trying to breed chondros for like four years, three or four years. Mm-hmm. No success, but. Um, you know, maybe I need to invest in um, maybe different pairings, you know, maybe a different male and a different female. I don't know. I mean, my male, my, my female ran for my male when I put him in there with her constantly. He She would move to one end, he'd follow her, and then she'd go to the other end and he'd follow her. And eventually, I guess she just got tired and gave it up. She's like, whatever, dude. Clearly, you're not, you're not budging. Yeah. <clears throat> and they made it happen. It just took a while. But it was frustrating to see lock and lock after lock after lock and then not see any sort of follicular development or anything like that. But then to finally get eggs. And that's the funny thing about chondros too is like there's never – you're never done. Like you look forward to the day that you get a lock and you're like sweet and then you get a lock. And then you wait for the day you get eggs. And you're like cool, I got to eggs. And then after that it's like all right, now I got to incubate them. And then you get to hatch day and it's like sweet, I got to hatch day. It's like there's just these constant sort of like – uh, finish lines of sorts, but it's never actually right. finished. Like many challenges, many hurdles yeah. to jump over. And they never end. They don't stop. But it keeps it interesting. Yeah. But uh, what about, y'all went to Costa Rica recently. We sure did. How, um, how, was, how was that? Man, uh, dude, it was awesome. Um, it's a lot easier to go to Costa Rica than people think. Mm-hmm. You pretty much get a passport and buy a plane ticket and uh, make your arrangements before you get there. Yeah. Uh, rental cars are expensive, so keep that in mind. But they do have like buses and other, like Greyhound type buses you can take to other like towns and cities. But that takes hours if you're going to travel across the country that way. Yeah. So, but you know, we ended up renting a small car that probably cost us like um, like almost 500 bucks for yeah. the week. 
which is cheap because if you're renting any of the other bigger vehicles, like an SUV or a van, it's like a thousand bucks for like a week. So, you know, we went the cheaper route. So where did you all fly into? Like, where did you start? Uh, we flew into, uh, Liberia, which is uh, a Northern city in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Um, then we basically waiting a big ass line going through their customs (laughs) Waiting for them to stamp our passports. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was very fun. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, because when you come back to America, it's like, oh, yeah, there you go. Like, you're, you're through. <laughs> like, they have they have kiosks where you can just scan your passport and then, like, yeah. they, you know, wave you through. It's it's crazy. You'd think that would be kind of like the other way around. But, uh, yeah, it was – they were, like, asking you all sorts of questions, too. You remember when we walked up to that booth and they were like asking us like our occupation and why we're there and all that stuff? Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think my wife went first, then you went, you're like, I'm a pharmacy tech. And I was like, I'm a pharmacy tech as well. And then he like kind of gave me a weird look <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're just pharmacy techs, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> this is your backstory. You're just pharmacy tech. Yeah. Like, why are you here? Um, so we get through their customs after all that. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you step out the into the main like corridor or lobby where all the vehicles are in the front, um, there's just like all these Costa Rican locals like bombarding you, asking you if you need a ride. And it's like, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Yeah, dude, it was like paparazzi. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was like we were <laughs> like they're just Yeah. The swarm. Got a little taste. Yep. Costa Rica, you can get a taste. <laughs> and so then so, did you guys you didn't stay in one place, obviously if you got a car you did some some traveling around. You didn't yeah. you weren't in one city the entire time, right? Yeah, so we flew into Liberia. Um uh, we got a hold of the rental car place. Long story short, they come pick us up, we get our car. Um, we stopped at a Walmart in Liberia, which was pretty weird. They have a Walmart But they there? do have a, they have a Walmart yeah. in Costa Rica. <laughs> um, that must have everything. been bizarre. It kind of was. was. Weird. Yeah. Like, it was weird. Yeah. People were like looking at us like, huh? You know, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they got all the food and soda and beer that mm-hmm. you want, you can buy there. So... You know, so we picked up some uh, supplies, then we headed off to La Fortuna, um, and we stayed at the uh, Los Lagos Resort for about five nights. Mm-hmm. Um, the first night we went out, um, we found that uh, snail-eating snake. Yeah. Um, I had labeled Dude. it in the Costa Rica video, but I totally forget the scientific name and the common name, but it was fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a uh, Saban or Saban or yeah, I don't know how to yeah. pronounce it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a snail. It, they call that it was, like that was awesome. Yeah, it was. Like we were, we were both like scouring all the trees and the limbs and everything, and both of us caught caught sight of it at the same time. Like that's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy shit! Our first night, and we find a snake. So uh, that was his whole goal too. Like. He's like, man, first day here, I gotta find a snake. It's like, he was trying to find a snake every single day. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Did you accomplish that? Which goal? I think we did. I think we, yeah, I think we did. Except for when we went to the beach. 
Uh, yeah, we didn't find any snakes at the beach the last three nights we were in Costa Rica. Hmm. A lot of uh, spiny-tailed iguanas. Um, at least on the way back to the airport, I saw one smashed in the road and tons of them basking on the side of the road. So that population is, is doing well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there's there's quite a few of them. Yeah. Like up in, uh, you want to talk about the uh, one that you saw in La Fortuna? Oh, the the uh, the one that ran across the road. Yeah, that was the one that I missed. <laughs> yeah, it almost got hit by a bus. Yeah, it was like, it was it was scooting, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked like a Jesus lizard, like running. It was just <laughs> frantically trying to miss miss the traffic, you know. Yeah. So. Uh... You know, we stayed at the Los Lagos Resort. Mm -hmm. um, they actually have, like, a little zoo there. They have uh, an American crocodile on exhibit, and it has no teeth. So I'm not sure how they feed it. Um, it was, like, a super old one, I they guess. They just give it baby food. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I noticed that the thing had no teeth, and I was like, okay. But it's like any little kid can stick their dumb little arms underneath the fence. Nice. And there's like, you know, there are American, I was going to say there are American families there. And it was like, man, I was like, this is kind of dangerous because there's a lot of like retarded kids running around. <laughs> like, I was like, they could easily stick their arm underneath it and it could gum its arm and then. Oh, yeah. I mean, even without blood, teeth, you know, that thing would do yeah, some yeah. damage. Yeah. I was going to say the, the pressure that the those jaws are capable of, man, it does. I don't. You know, teeth teeth hold onto flesh, but mm -hmm. I think that thing would still have a, a good hold on you. Yeah. And it was weird. It was like cyclone fence, so you could easily stick your hand or your arm through it. You know, it wasn't like I don't know, like a thinner uh, mesh. Right. Something finer. Like yeah. Yeah. And they just, I guess, they just didn't have any problems, so they said whatever. They thought maybe he didn't have teeth, yeah. so he's well, not. Was, a <laughs> he's not a problem. Right. Yeah. It was, it was pretty docile. I mean, from what we saw. Like we walked past it a couple times, but I mean, still, they're you know, you never know what they're capable of. They right. could change their attitude at any second. You could be Very temperamental. True. Yeah. And you, you, we can don't worry about any breaks or anything like that, y'all. I can I go through and and cut them out. So. Okay. Don't feel the oh. need to like keep talking if you, if you All while right. you're thinking happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um the second night we were in la fortuna we um headed out to the arnal eco zoo mm -hmm. uh, which is a smaller eco zoo um on the back side of um volcano arnal uh you can pretty much see lake arnal from like their little viewing deck that they have on the yep. back and um i had been talking to the curator the guy that owns arnal eco zoo his name is victor well, he has a younger son named Victor as well, and I thought I was talking to the senior junior, but I was talking to the the jun the Victor junior. So we're we get there, we're waiting for um, Victor to come out and uh, introduce himself, and then I'm like, the guy's like, "Hey, I'm Victor," and I'm like, "Oh shit, you're his son, not the Victor Victor." But uh, it was still really cool. He was really knowledgeable. Um, I guess he's a um, student at the University of Costa Rica or something like that. 
I'm not sure. It's one of the big schools that he goes to to study like biology. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gave his whole spiel and introduction. Um, you know, we talked about snakes and what we were hoping to find on our night and tour. Um, and did they have anything to do with like the tours or was that just, you know, yeah. Uh, they actually have access to like private land. Okay. So it, it's not like um, when the eco tourist business there, uh, when you go for night walks at with the eco zoos, it's like at the eco zoo. Mm-hmm. So I don't find them, at least the videos I saw on YouTube, they don't look very interesting. Yeah. So um, we actually got like a real private tour. Like we went on private property and we went through like actual old growth jungle. Yeah, that was um, a legit like field herping yeah, session for sure. Yeah. That was like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, scripted like, oh, here's the butterflies. Here's the frogs. Here's the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was totally wild. Like It was, it was awesome. Was what all did you thing. find on that? Like how many species did you see on that? that trip uh, i don't even know it was we found so many frogs mm-hmm. uh we found you know a couple of different types of spiders like big ones we uh saw a bromeliad spider i forget what the other one was he couldn't id it um but it but was it, a tarantula yeah hmm. um we found the red-eye tree frogs um the glass frogs the glass frogs oh, we found yeah um what else? Uh, what are those? Like, I think it was like this, <laughs> the Spider-Man frog. <laughs> yeah, the uh, ah, the Costa Rica's frog, uh, the tomato dart frog. Yeah, or, the little blue uh, jeans with the red body, yeah. the the pomilio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got, yeah. Yeah, those were those were cool looking. Yeah, that's one of the big reasons. Like Costa Rica is at the top of my list of places I want to go to next to West Texas and. Uh, like dart frogs, since I've been keeping them, are now a big part of the reason why I want to go down there and look around. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you, uh, the best place that we went to to see the dart frogs was Mystico Hanging Bridges National Park, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the only place that we saw dart frogs while we were there. Um, you could hear them during the day, like yeah. at the resort, um, but you couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, once we went to Mystico Hanging Bridges, uh, it was because it pretty much rained there for like the whole five days that we were in La Fortuna. Mm-hmm. It rained the whole entire time. <laughs> like so, constant, or would it like rain for a couple hours and then break, and then rain again, and then break? It, uh, yeah, it was it was like kind of intermittent, and then okay. at night it seemed to like pour down rain, and then when the sun came up, it would kind of break a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like spotty on and off. But when it was raining, it was wet like super yeah. wet <laughs> yeah that doesn't surprise me at all <clears throat> yeah no it was cool though i mean you're in the jungle that's mm-hmm. kind of part of it you know it wouldn't be a jungle without rain true that yeah i think if anything um they had actually uh went through a drought um like a week before we got there mm-hmm. um they were in like a really really bad drought and um it's funny because the microclimates in Costa Rica, uh, you think as soon as you land, it's all jungle. There's like a whole desert part of Costa Rica, like the central coastal area, mm-hmm. like of the north, northern part near Liberia. It it looks like it's it looks like burnt trees 
and like burnt grass. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's weird. It's kind of savanna y. It's weird. Um, and then as you drive north or wherever towards like the mountains where they get most of the rainfall, you start to see uh, more vegetation as you're winding up the roads. Um, and then next thing you know, you're in the jungle. And how like how so, hot was it? Like was it was it what everyone thinks of when they're in the jungle? Like I know a lot of people think like Papua New Guinea, like the jungles in uh, PNG are really hot, and they're really not. Uh, like I think it's just it's the humidity that gets that that makes it seem like it's hotter than it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more um, more humid. Yeah, I'd say it was. I I don't know. It was like you know upper seventies, lower eighties, mm-hmm. lower in. Uh, La Fortuna. Um, but the, when we landed in Liberia, that was hot. Like we walked outside oh, the airport, yeah. and it was just like getting hit in the face with just like heat, man, heat and yeah. humidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could slice the humidity with a knife. That's how thick yeah. it was. Yeah, it was like you got someone punched you in the gut. <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy shit. Because the first area that you come in, it's all air conditioned, and then once you go out the main doors through like where they stamp your passports through that customs. Mm-hmm. Then you go through like a secondary customs that scans your bags. And once you get through that, it's like, Oh my God. So, but, uh, South Carolina yeah, so, weather. Ooh. Yeah. Times five. Yeah. I don't even know what the humidity was there. I would guess at least like 90%. Oh yeah, for sure. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, so going back to the uh, night tour that we did, mm-hmm. um, we saw a lot of the Sabans. Um, we found the uh, gray cloudy one. I think they call it a cloudy, like a neb- I forget nebulatus or nebulata, something like that. I don't, yeah, um, I, don't, I just know that genus. I'm not familiar with a lot of the species in it. Yeah. Uh, we saw the brown ones, um, the brown sibens. Um, we saw eyelash vipers while we were there. And those were pretty prevalent. Um, they were. Uh, how many did we we see, Thomas? Like, like the Costa Rican um, copperheads. Yeah. So on that, <laughs> I think on that tour we saw three that night. Um, yeah, it was three. And then when we went to Mystico, uh, we saw uh, probably, I think it was like around five somewhere somewhere like that yeah. yeah i mean were they all were they all pretty far apart from one another when you were finding them or was it like a find one oh, yeah. walk 50 They're... yards find another one walk 50 yards find another one they, they seem to be pretty sparse but then again they were saying like you know for every one that you find there's 20 that you didn't see so yeah that doesn't surprise me either yeah and they were right. they were at all different heights on the trees um, oh, a lot yeah. of the bigger ones were higher up to where you couldn't get them mm-hmm. um, yeah that one i tried i was like <laughs> i had to take like a walking stick and i was kind of like getting a boost up on the roots of the tree trying to like <laughs> reach it but it was yeah, about a foot like, away yeah it was too far um but then um they did find a smaller juvenile on uh one of the like lower on the tree like on the roots mm-hmm. um so the the juveniles were hanging out lower and the adults were higher. Um, so we found the, they found the one juvenile. Um, I picked it up with a couple snake hooks, like a little couple micro snake hooks. Yeah. 
and you know just kind of let it crawl between the hooks and get some footage of it um but man it was an experience and it was freaking awesome i was like i'm in costa rica right now holding an eyelash viper on these snake hooks like it doesn't get any more real <laughs> than that <laughs> so they they actually before we even started the night tour um we were getting a tour of the facility mm-hmm. and he was showing us all these different color phases of eyelash vipers that they, yeah. they have and they actually breed they're like the amazon tree boas of the of the crotalid world yeah just i couldn't believe it i mean they brought out a golden eyelash mm-hmm. um there was this one that was like a and it had to have been like a pinkish red color mm-hmm. or like a, I call it the horchata snakes because <laughs> yeah, it looked like horchata. <laughs> so, but it was beautiful. I, I loved that one. Then they had this one that was yellow and red and a reptile magazine had actually came out and photographed it uh, once. I think he said, I think I know which one yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. So we got to see that one, yeah. which was a treat. Um, he brought out a Christmas phase that we got to check out. I remember seeing a video um, of that. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. Um, so do, do you want to tell him the story about the uh, uh, Bushmaster, Thomas? Oh, yeah. Uh, so he, he uh, right when we get there, he does his introduction and everything. And, uh, you know, we're kind of like getting to know him. Um, and then he's like, all right, uh, so I'm going to go grab a few things and set, set up, uh, some stuff real quick and I'll mm-hmm. be right back. Um, and he, he sets up this table, you know, he's, he's got these carts on wheels, but it's all, you know, it's got like natural moss and, you know, cork and branches and all this stuff. And it's kind of like a display, um, table for the snakes. Yeah. And he, he brings out this Bushmaster. He's like, this is a surprise I had for you guys. <laughs> and, uh, Dude, this snake was beautiful. It was, I think he said they had it for like, what, 15 years in captivity or something like that? Yeah, it was like it seven, was, 17 years or something. Yeah, it was a long time. It was an old snake, but uh, it had a really, a really, um, like, nice temperament, surprisingly. I mean, mm-hmm. I think for like, I don't know, any venomous snake, I, I just think like, you know, aggro. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then they, you know, we were taking pictures of it and we were getting up close. Like, it was, you know, maybe a uh, foot, foot and a half away, you know, taking pictures and video and stuff. And it, it didn't seem to mind it at all. Yeah. It was amazing. Those um, are, those are then, serious snakes, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, just the, the look of the head and the face mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, it's venomous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they started, they started like, uh, like petting it when they brought out the eyelashes and I was like, you mind if I, uh, <laughs> pet it a little bit? Let me cop a feel. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, 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 sure. So, um, so Victor went around the table and was kind of like minding the head and I was just like, you know, running my, running my hand down its tail and everything. And it, the, the scales on it were like, it was weird. It was like, they're strange. Yeah. They're like beady. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. very, they're keeled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're, uh, like spikes. Yeah, that was that was amazing. That was the coolest thing I think on the trip was actually like touching the Bushmaster. Uh, yeah, did <laughs> y'all like get a feeling... did y'all get a copy of the the Venom interviews DVD? Um, uh, no. I have no, I haven't. Because there's a there's a 
like in the bonus features, uh, Dean Reaper, who used to do the Cape Fear Serpentarium before he died, unfortunately. Um, he talked about he's he got bit by some Bushmasters because that was one of his big focuses was Bushmasters. Uh, and he got some bites from ones and man hearing him recall like the symptoms and what he experienced with it it was just it was absolutely insane just how quickly those things can mess you up uh you know actually now that you're talking about that i did see it on uh youtube mm-hmm. um he bred like the blackhead blackheaded bushmasters i think they're black-headed bushmasters. Yeah, there's, that's one of the and, one of the species, and there's a, there's a couple others. Yeah, and he was, like, the first successful um, guy to, like, breed him in captivity, mm-hmm. like, in the U.S. I think he was, anyway. But if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. <laughs> he was one of the few, that is for sure, but... Yeah. Man, here... I mean, he, he was definitely a leading expert. Yeah. Hearing him talk about, you know, when he got nailed, just, it's like, holy crap. Like, I mean, it's, you hear about bad snake bites, but you hear about, like, a Bushmaster bite, and it's just almost on another level with just how crazy things get. <clears throat> and if anybody, like, if I wish there was a way for, I don't know if you can even buy a digital version of the Venom interviews or not. I need to probably ask Ray Morgan about that, but it's well worth uh, checking out if, if you haven't. <clears throat> and you guys talked to Ray Morgan too at one point, didn't you? Because he he lives there. Um, you know what? Uh, hold on a sec, man. I I think I might have on uh, herping the globe. Yeah. Um, on that page because I was asking for um the best herping spots like a few months out. Mm-hmm. Before we headed uh, to La Fortuna. Yep. And um, he was telling us, uh, you know, like, yeah, you know, the best the best herping spot is between the lake and the dam. It's a stretch of basically the main stretch of road that you drive on from Liberia. Right. To go to um, La Fortuna, the road that we, we actually herped off that road on that private yeah. land. <laughs> I was uh, just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he said that that's the best place to um, like road cruise pretty much for snakes, mm-hmm. you know, and they've even found, um, I don't know if it was specifically him, but um, I read some, something that they were finding, like even eyelash vipers that were um, leaving the forest to like cross the road mm-hmm. um, to even like get to another like patch of forest, which oh. is like, kind of out of their character i guess right they're not big they're snakes arboreal. yeah like they're not large pit vipers they're they're fairly small so they don't require a ton of you know land to roam yeah <clears throat> that's On cool though the... man because if i was like as far as species that i would keep that were exotic venomous eyelash vipers would be pretty close to the top just because the anti-venom's fairly easy to get a hold of and they're not yeah, that... crazy toxic that's uh one of my dream uh venomous snakes to get <laughs> that's on my list it's on my list of snakes i don't know how i'm gonna get them but i'm gonna have them one day do it man so i mean i could keep uh our native uh venomous snakes here in georgia mm-hmm. 
since they're not protected. So you can keep uh, cane brakes or uh, timber rattlers. You can keep cottonmouth and um, copperheads and pygmy rattlesnakes. Um, but I just have to uh, get my wife to open up to the idea of <laughs> having the venomous snakes first. That's the that's and, the real hurdle. Uh, yeah, right. then that's the most dangerous up, game. It's like winning the lottery if you get that. Not really, but. Or my wife approving as winning the lottery. And so after you found yeah, you were... some some eyelashes there, though, like what else? Do you guys see any Bothrops uh, or any of the Lanceheads? You know, uh, they were talking about Lanceheads the whole entire time that we're walking through this. Because mm-hmm. uh, back in like the 1960s, um, the government had cleared out a lot of the land mm-hmm. in the area for um, cattle ranching. So you have um, a lot of like grass um, fields or prairies uh, in the middle of these old growth forests. Right. So um, the cattle like go in, they usually cross through the patches of old growth to get to the next pasture. So we were basically like following cattle trails through the, uh, the old growth jungle um, to get to these other patches. But they were saying that these fertile lances are like curled up in the grass and the <laughs> We're wearing these giant rubber boots almost up to our knees. Mm-hmm. In shorts. And in shorts. <laughs> while it's raining. It was raining pretty good that night. And uh, they, the one of the guys that um, is Victor's friend, they go to school together. He kept on talking about how he was worried about fertilances. Yeah. And, like the entire uh, time. Yeah. He was like, oh, <laughs> like, he was like nervous as hell the whole entire time about fertilances. And we're like, man, that, I was like, that's what we got to find tonight is we got to find a fertile lance. You know, it was like we found the uh, the eyelash vipers we yeah. to find a fertile lance. Right. So, you know, we ended up not seeing any fertile lances that's though, crazy. except for at the eco zoo. Because I hear yeah, they're crazy yeah, uh, common down there. Like those are probably more like the Costa Rican copperhead more than the eyelash vipers are. Yeah. And so the guy was saying that like uh, he and his dad like it get a phone calls from businesses in the area and they'll, they'll go and extract the snake, like, mm-hmm. you know, hotels and resorts and stuff. They'll, uh, they'll go in, capture the snake and re-release it. And that's another one that I just, that a bite from those things would be really gnarly. Mm-hmm. Those things do some damage. Yeah. I think that, um, they have the access to like the anti-venom right, right down there because right. I think it's one of the most common bites. Yeah, it is. So, do you guys see any coral snakes? They've got a bunch of coral snakes. We down did. There too. We we yeah. saw one uh, that was dead. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was uh, it was roadkill, man. It, it was, yeah, it was kind of sad, but um, man, we were walking beautiful. down. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think I can't remember which part got ran over, but I mean, it was it was still like really intact. It wasn't mm-hmm. like. You know, it wasn't pizza. Gruesome or anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't it, smash pizza. Yeah, it, it it just pretty much like its midsection got clipped yeah. by a tire. So it may yeah. have tried to like jolt back, but the tire clipped it. And um, But it, it had beautiful coloration on it. It was like flawless. Yeah, it made it to the side of the road. Like it wasn't, you know, wasn't. they had like shoulders and dotted lines and all that. Mm-hmm. There, um, So it was it was off the solid line off the side of the road 
Yeah. So it must have got hit and slowly, uh, you know. They've got some some really interesting species of those down there, too, and a lot of people don't realize, like, the the common rhyme we use here in the States doesn't really apply to any of the ones in Costa Rica. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We, uh, when we were at the Eco Zoo, they actually had a coral snake there, Mm -hmm. and um, they had caught, like, a little worm snake. Um, I'm not sure what the common name or the scientific name is, but it would be like a worm snake is what he said it was. And um, he threw it inside the coral snake's enclosure, and the coral snake went straight for the head. And this is like a common food source that this um, species of coral snake eats. Yep. And uh, it was pretty cool to see like a coral snake in action, like eating another snake. Yeah, so it's pretty it's wild. pretty interesting to see because I I mean at least the the easterns we have here are fairly uh they're very shy like they're not aggressive snakes at all they're they're gonna run before anything else but you see videos of them and you give them food and they're like apex just all over it yeah so that that was a really cool experience they actually have a. Uh red-eyed tree frogs that breed right there at the eco zoo just like out in the open Mm -hmm. they have like little uh potted areas where they um have all these big broadleaf type of plants growing and um he was like showing us like how they lay their eggs on the broad leaves and they're just like they're chilling right there at the eco zoo they're not even in enclosures and it's like so humid and wet there that it doesn't it doesn't even need to be like in a you know pool of water like a bromeliad or something like that which was kind of yeah. cool. It was like just a big gel sack, you know, like hanging off of a leaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I think I remember seeing something on, like maybe it was like Planet Earth or one of those series, and they had uh, a video of one of the tree frogs. I don't know if it was Red Eyes or not, but it was a similar thing where like the eggs would develop in the tadpoles, and then the tadpoles would drop down into some body of water below, but then there was something that kept trying to eat them, and, and it was... It was crazy because they'd lay a bunch of eggs, but only a handful would actually make it down to the water because whatever this was that was chasing them would eat them all. Right. <clears throat> kind of like sea turtles, you know? Yeah, yeah. They try to scurry off the beach, but most of them get picked off. Yeah. So, is there uh, anything specific that you want to talk about, Thomas? Uh, that you remember oh, I was gonna, from I was, the trip? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up that. Uh, I can't remember what the snake, like what species it was, but it was hanging down off of that tree and it was eating, well, it was trying to eat that frog. Remember that? Yeah, that was the uh, Cybon. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a Cybon. It was like in a, yeah, it was in a war with the the frog, basically. (laughs) Like the frog had like bloated itself up to Mm -hmm. try to like, you know, not be able to fit down the mouth of the snake. Um, I think the snake got its one of its legs and it was just kind of like you know dangling off the tree but it was cool because we we were walking through the cattle pasture and then we just happened upon this like random tree kind of out in the middle of the the field and boom there was a snake already like you know latched onto a frog trying to eat i mean it was it was cool yeah the right place at the right time exactly yep oh and we saw that eyelash mimic too that, yeah, uh, I was gonna say both that. Both of us kind of like were holding. And yeah, that was out. actually I consider that the rarest find um, when we were in Costa Rica. Like, even though the main goal for my personal goal was to find the eyelash viper, mm-hmm. I wanted to find a go- a golden eyelash. 
I didn't, but we got to see tons of eyelashes, so I'm not going to complain. Um, but that that eyelash mimic, um, uh, me and Victor were ahead of like our little group, and uh, we're he's got his light up in the bromeliads because uh, there, there's these giant bromeliads that grow off of trees down in Costa Rica. And there's this what looks like a Christmas phase eyelash viper. Oh uh, yeah, what I thought it was. I'm looking at Go- one on Google right now. That does look just like them. Holy crap! Yeah, and um, like I saw the slenderness of the body, and I was like, "That's not an eyelash." So we ended up, uh, you know, we tried not to, but we ended up kind of tearing one of the big bromeliads back with a snake hook, mm-hmm. and this eyelash mimic comes falling down straight at my face and i catch it with my hand praying that it's not a, a real <laughs> that it's not the real thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i didn't i didn't care because i was in the moment and i reach up and as it falls i catch it and i look at it and i'm like okay that's not an eyelash viper <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was a mimic um he was uh he was looking on his phone like for the scientific name and or whatever and i was like dude i was like check out this freaking eyelash mimic and then thomas came over and he was like holy cow like i think that that was the rarest find yeah that's another species of cybon yeah that one is the lichen colored snail eater is what i'm looking at right now yep exactly and it just it looks a lot like the proto bothrops too over in china it's pretty wild yeah um that snake was freaking badass though I couldn't get over that. I that that whole night and then going back, it was like that that was the one night that we had the most action. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuz actually he had warned us that if you go into any of the national parks like most of them you have to pay to get into to go walk the trails. Right. Um if you're caught with a snake hook, they can actually confiscate them. Um which, I mean, you know, of course we weren't going to try to smuggle anything right. back. They don't know that. But, you know, I get that's just their rule and mm-hmm. that's their country. So, you know, well, that's fine. So their, their, like, culture is very, like, in that area more specifically is very, uh, seemed to me to be really, like, conservationist. Yeah. Um, everywhere that you go, there's recycle bins, like, and not just like a big recycle bin for everything, but it's like sorted out. You know, mm-hmm. they have like organics, paper, glass, plastic, all that kind of stuff. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of their like rules and regulations are kind of like conservationist centric. And they're kind of based off of that, you know, philosophy of like keeping everything as it is and protecting it as much as possible, which I thought was really cool. It's, it's actually, it was really refreshing. Like, going there and seeing all those bins out and i'm like i can do this i can sort my trash yeah <laughs> you know what i mean seeing a, um, a government run place that actually cares exactly yep. <laughs> yes yeah and so, so what's what's uh what's really interesting too is they haven't had like any military since what what was it like the 40s or something oh that's like that? right yeah they're like one yeah. of the only countries that's mm-hmm. doesn't have any yeah, of that. they have uh, no military force yeah. And even, there's like even, uh, two cops per town. <laughs> it, I was just gonna say, yeah, like even the police, like there, it's, you know, we saw like maybe two or three cop cars while we were there. Which um, is yeah. strange because compared to like the Honduras and El Salvador, like the crime rate is really not right. that bad. 
you would think it would be way worse. Yeah, Costa Rica, they've totally, uh, like, they've cleaned out pretty much, like, all the cartel. Mm -hmm. Um, The only crime really reported is, like, petty theft. Yeah. And, like, if that, I think there was something, like, only, like, one or two murders a year or something crazy like Mm -hmm. that, like, in the whole country. But it's it's mostly petty theft, like, people breaking into tourists, uh, rental cars and stuff like that to still shut, so... Yeah, Uh, like pretty much the whole entire time, like even though the first couple days felt weird being in a foreign country, um, but then you got used to it and you started to feel more secure and you didn't really have to watch your surroundings as much. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to worry about getting kidnapped and thrown in a barrel of acid. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was, (laughs) I was very comfortable. That really makes the difference uh, knowing that you're not going to get kidnapped and tortured. Mm-hmm. And everybody like seemed really friendly there. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was, you know, like they would talk to you and stuff. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was refreshing. It was cool. Well, from the sounds of it, Americans aren't that uncommon. Like, there's a lot of expats and stuff down there that live there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of retirees moved down there actually, because um, of the cost of living. Mm-hmm. Um, there are the mo the mo- more touristy uh, areas are still pretty expensive. Like when we were at the airport, like leaving, we ate at this little, I don't know what it is. They're trying to be like a diner slash cool place or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was almost like a pizza parlor slash like you know like diner or something like soda yeah. shop diner kind of thing. Yeah, it it was like just for us to get like, and they don't give you cups of water; they give you bottles of water. And me and Thomas got like fish tacos, and my wife got like chicken tenders. It was like seventy bucks. What? It was seventy bucks. And I was yeah. like, "Holy fuck, That's man! Like they raped, they raped Georgia us. aquarium <laughs> prices right there." Yeah, man, I couldn't believe the bill. I was like, "Holy freaking crap!" They're getting you their know, cake and I mean, eating the it fish too. Tacos were pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah, they were good. They we were. We were eating these tacos at this uh, little hole-in-the-wall hotel on the beach the Mm -hmm. last three days we were there. They had Wi-Fi, which was cool, so we were able to, like, check on our Facebooks or whatever the hell. But um, they had a a little kitchen attached to the – or a restaurant attached to the uh, hotel that made the most bomb tacos I've ever had. (laughs) Like, they were so good. Did you guys smoke any cigars while you were down there? What was that? So did you guys smoke any cigars while you were down there? No, we smoked cigarettes. Man. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) um, and even, even like, like just tobacco products, like cigarettes, they're, I wouldn't say that they're hard to find, but they're like, they keep very few of them in their stores. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just a, Yes, yeah, I don't think people like. I didn't see a whole lot of people smoking around down there either. I wonder if that's uh, part of their going green initiative. I probably it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It was kind of interesting though. I would think that like I don't know. You see those like Central American countries. Um, usually, like smoking is more prevalent. Mm-hmm. But. It, it wasn't there. Yeah, it was. It was. That's know. strange. And they had they had they had signs up everywhere. It There's was like, like no smoking signs. Prohibito, La Fumar. You know, like oh, you wow. can't <laughs> you can't smoke here. 
Um, yeah. So we would have to kind of like walk off the the path. This is like yeah. this is a strange strange place, man. This is like a, the Twilight Zone, like an episode. Yeah, of that. it's yeah. like like they actually it, care about the environment. Nobody smokes. It kind of felt like being in the military again. Seventy dollar like chicken military. tenders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like twenty dollars a tender, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could buy a lot of chickens for that, man. Yeah, it's like you what could. the hell? You could buy so many rotisserie chickens at Walmart. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But down there, it's not. Um, there's not a lot of like corporations. Like it's not mm-hmm. a lot of corporate run. Uh, restaurants and stuff like that. It's basically all small time, you know, mom and pop kind of businesses, which was really cool to kind of help support, you know, when you need to go right. eat or, you know, get some coffee or something like that, you know. Yeah, coffee down there was amazing. I yeah. love coffee. Oh, I'm sure. So it good. was so good. Yeah, like, I'm, a, I'm a huge coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, well, not unfortunately. Their beer was pretty good down there. Um, the Costa Rican beer is um, Imperial. Yep. And it was good. I mean, whatever. It tastes like Takati or like the Bud Light of Costa Rica. But it was it was still enough. It doesn't take much for me to get buzzed. Like, I'm already buzzed, and I'm like one and a half <laughs> beers deep on this IPA. <laughs> but uh, I was like having like a couple beers and a full meal, and I was like, dude, I'm feeling good, you know? And it was like buying a $2 pack of smokes uh, like and smoking a cigarette after a meal. I was like, woo, gets you even more buzzed. Feeling it. Yeah. It, it was such a great time, though. Uh, once in a lifetime experience. And the fact that um, we were able to make that trip happen, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, we're going to be talking about that for years and all those memories we had at that place. How long were you all there total? Uh, how many days? I think it was like nine days, man. I took like 12 days off from work. So for me, it was like, yeah, it was like a full day of travel, like there and then back Mm -hmm. like each time. So, well, you being in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure that was a lot more flights than what Steve had. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I was like basically flying to the other side of the world. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, we were there for a long time, and it yeah. was just—it seemed like just the right amount of time too. Right. Um, like you weren't starting to get homesick, but you weren't starting to get sick of where you were at. Yeah. You know, and we were kind of jumping around doing different stuff um, during the day and things like that. So. Yeah. What did What did y'all do during the day? Like, what were you what, when you weren't looking for snakes? What were y'all spending your time doing? We were looking for snakes, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was like everywhere that we went, basically, it was like, you know, outside of like zip lining and, mm-hmm. um, you know, going hiking to- trails. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the- everywhere that we were at, it was just, he was looking for snakes and I was checking out all the, all the plants and just like how they grow you yeah. know, naturally in the jungle. That's kind of what my, uh, what my focus was on. And so when you were hiking, was it like right outside the hotel or were you all having to drive a ways and then go do it? And... You know, uh, yeah, I was going to say everything was pretty uh, equidistant. Um, nothing was too far away. Yeah. So the uh, first day we went to the uh, La Fortuna waterfall. Um, they have like these 500 steps that you walk down. Um, we went uh, swimming in the waterfall. 
the water felt great. There's like all these weird type of Costa Rican trout or whatever you want to call them, like schooled right up there um, below the waterfall. It's really awesome. There, there was a lot of people there taking like girls in bikinis, taking Instagram pictures and shit. <laughs> oh, of course. You know, yeah. but I was like, I ain't even here for that. I was like, I'm here for the snakes and the jungle. Like, um, so we walked back up these 500 steps in the humidity and the heat that first day because it didn't rain that much the first day. Mm-hmm. But it was actually partially cloudy and the sun was out. Talk about a fucking hike. Coming up those 500 <laughs> steps, I was, I was fucking dying. I was like, I was so far behind my wife and Thomas that I was like, I had to keep on taking breaks, man, because I'm fat. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, I was, I was dying. I took my shirt off. I didn't even care if people saw my flabby tattooed body. I was like, I needed some type of relief, but I eventually make it up to the top, but I'm so delusional. I think yeah. I see a Christmas phase eyelash viper sitting on a branch and it ends up being some type of weird seed pod. Yeah, dude, we're going out of the like 10 the... minutes trying to figure out if it was or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like hallucinating, thinking I'm seeing snakes and it's a freaking seed pod on the side of a tree. Man, we got but, this uh, lighthouse here that you can climb on one of the state parks and that thing's like. 300 steps or something like that and the summer there's no airflow through that thing so like halfway through i'm getting dizzy like i can't breathe is it the uh tybee lighthouse no this is a hunting island tybee's tybee's about an hour away oh yeah that's in uh near savannah um, yeah savannah yeah you're right the hunting island one man like for whatever reason a couple years ago i was like man i'm out here i'm gonna climb that thing i haven't been up there in a long time and like halfway through, I'm thinking I'm gonna pass out because I just like I, f- I feel like I can't breathe because of the heat and there's just no airflow whatsoever. It's brutal. Well, and there's no you know when you're taking steps, there's no real like flat landing for right. you to kind of like rest for a little bit. So you're just you just have you're to kind of stand in there. <laughs> yeah, you're just like oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what did we do the second day? Oh, that was the um, we did the night tour. Went through the Arnold Eco Zoo. Um, that's actually um, an extraordinary facility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if anybody goes there to Costa Rica and is is in the La Fortuna area, man, like check that out. It was it was super cool. The guy had like you know tons of uh, even just at his zoo, he had tons of different species there. Oh it was man, really cool to see. In the area, he has the most diversity in species of any eco zoo that we visited, anyway. Uh, we went to the Natura Eco Zoo, and that's right down the road from the uh, the resort, like maybe a two miles or so. Yep. And uh, man, even that, it was a little disappointing. Um, the butterfly exhibit was probably the most exciting thing, I think. Um, but a lot of the, excuse me, sorry, I had to burp because I'm drinking beer. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, a lot of the glass was like fogged over and you couldn't really oh, see anything. Yeah. So they gave us like flashlights to like find stuff. <laughs> oh, and the construction. Now it becomes a, too? Oh, a scavenger hunt. construction there, it totally ruined the video that I filmed. Like all you hear is a chainsaw in the back because they had this giant old growth tree like fall in the middle of the eco zoo. So all you hear is the workers chainsaw this giant tree. Mm-hmm. Like over and over again. So I had to like basically the the video I did the third part of uh, Costa Rica 
video that I did. Are you vaping? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm vaping too, but mine's not as loud as yours. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, anyways, the audio got all jacked up, so I put more music on it and tried less to, talking, tried to say it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I, I, I wanted to upload a video and, you know, even though like I upload the videos to my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, at first when I started it, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to be one of the big YouTubers and I want to not be a pet tuber, but be like a good reptile YouTuber. Yeah. And then, uh, I was like, you know what? I just like, I don't care about that anymore. Like, I just want to make good quality videos and just whoever watches them, watches them. Like, it's not about money or views. I just right. use it to like, um, step up my editing game on my videos. Mm-hmm. Like I like the, the whole editing process and adding music and stuff like that's fun to me. Are you using Adobe Premiere? So no, I'm using a uh, Luma fusion. Oh, um, cause, cause I, I asked you about I, that. Yeah. Yeah. You told yeah. me about that. I don't, I don't have a Mac, but I'd like to upgrade to a Mac eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, get some like really cool videos, maybe upgrade my camera equipment. What are you um, using right now for camera? The, stuff? uh, Nikon D 5,300. Okay. With a, uh, road mic. Yep. It's like the a hundred dollar road mic. Yeah. You're using like the exact same setup I am. I think I'm, I have a yeah. D 53. Three or fifty one hundred, one of the two. They don't make it anymore. But with that that road mic, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, you know, you can buy the uh, two hundred dollar road mic that mm-hmm. runs on a separate battery. Yeah. But the uh, intermediate one that's a hundred bucks runs off your battery oh. power, and it's like really um, just carry extra batteries with you. Yeah. Batteries are cheap, so. Like, I bought some uh, Nikon batteries off of Amazon. I bought, like, two of them for, like, 14 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah, they're wow. super cheap. I need, yeah, I need to get some more. charging station. I have yeah, two. That came with... And, and, I mean, they do the job, but almost always when one dies, I don't charge it. And so when the other one dies, I have to reschedule shooting whatever videos I'm going to do because I don't have any batteries yeah. to do it. I, I was doing that today when I was shooting my uh, green tree monitor video. All my batteries were dead. Mm-hmm. And I had like, thank God I had one battery left over that had, um, you know, half of the percentage on it. So yeah. it was like 50% power, but it ended up working out. And so all the animals at these eco facilities, are they all native? Like they don't, they don't have anything exotic, right? It's all uh, stuff that's native to Costa Rica. So do you, do you want to chime in on this, um, Thomas? From what I saw, they were they were all pretty much native to the country. Um, mm-hmm. May not have been native to the region, but they were definitely native to Costa Rica. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the R and all ecozoo they had a couple berms, mm-hmm. um, but that was the only out of country snake that they had. Hmm. But they didn't have anything like reed ticks or nothing like right. that. Everything I forgot was about those. Yeah. Uh, I think and it, and then I think he he just had him just because he was you know found him interesting. Which why is not? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why we keep <laughs> what we keep. Yeah. People like big snakes. Tourists like big snakes. So. Yeah. Whatever. Well, and they weren't just like a, I mean they were I think well he had wasn't one an albino and then he had another. Uh, they were uh, two regular berms, I think. 
Well, he had a regular berm and a granite, I think. That's what it was. It was a granite, yeah. Yeah, I think the other one was a granite. They used to have an albino, um, but it had passed away a few years ago. It was like their uh, main snake that they used to bring out for like all the school kids that Mm -hmm. would come visit the eco zoo. So, and it's funny because their eco zoo is a slash little cafe. So so it's like a rainforest cafe, except with real stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like as soon as we get there, uh, it's actually one of his siblings, his older sister was like, Oh, are you here for the food or the zoo? And we're like, we're here for the zoo. Both. It would have been my answer. Yeah. I would have been like, (laughs) well, they, they served us coffee. Um, that's, which was good. So, uh, actually it was funny. We're drinking our coffee and we're getting ready to go on the night tour. And he's like handing out boots to us. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you guys have any socks? And I wore these fucking hiking sandals that I thought were Costa Rican cool. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going to wear these cause they're cool. You know, looking like an old timer or something. And he's like, no, like you need to wear socks with those boots. And I was like, I don't have any. I'll just wear them with my regular bare feet. And you regretted so I put, that, didn't you? I did. I put <laughs> I put my bare foot inside the first boot, and it was full of f- fucking forest roaches. Oh. They look like, they look like dubia roaches. Yeah. Like, I stick my foot in there. There's like 12 of them in there, and they're all over my foot. And I thought it was a giant spider, and I'm freaking out <laughs> trying to pull. But the suction on the boot, I can't pull the damn boot off. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I pulled it out. <laughs> the sound you made was priceless. Uh, so yeah, funny. I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm pulling the pulling. I get the boot off, and all these roaches come falling out, and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> but thank God they were just roaches and not um, like some type of venomous spider or right. something. Yeah, they're pretty harmless. Yeah, I was at one at one time a big tarantula guy, so it would have been cool to see some tarantulas while I was down there. Because there's a lot in the hobby that are that are popular as far as like pet trade wise, so it'd be neat to see some from down, like especially the Costa Ricans. But that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Are you anything not, else? Are you, you not a fan of spiders, about? Steve? Oh no i I've had a, a Goliath bird eater before, and I've had Chilean rose hairs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm gonna let Thomas take this real quick. Because I gotta take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the coolest spider that I saw while we were down there was the definitely the bromeliad spider. It was just it was completely different from what I'm used to seeing with the tarantulas, and mm-hmm. um, it was like it was this weird like rusty like kind of orange coloration. Um, but it was it was just on the side of a tree. We walked up to it. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a Bermuda spider. I've, like, never seen anything like that before. You know, I've seen plenty of, you know, tarantulas and yeah. large spiders and stuff like that, but never – I mean, it was – it was. I can't even describe, like, how unique it was. Um, I tried to get a picture of it, but it was nighttime. Yeah. So you have to use flash, and it just – you know, everything kind of blurs, and it's – you don't get the true, like, coloration. Right. Yeah, yeah it's like the cool. uh, the flash drowns out the color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but definitely at night was the time to go because that's when we were out during the day. Everything was kind of like reclusive. Yeah. Um, because they, you know, at night they can't be seen as well, so they're out hunting and. 
Yeah, because a lot stuff. of the species are nocturnal. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was perfect because it was raining. So, like I said, it it they had just went through a, re a really good dry season. So, like, pretty much it was like the day we showed up was like when their rainy season started, like up in the mountains, in the jungles. Yeah. So it was like everything came to life. I'll say that probably worked out pretty came. well because I'm sure they got everything moving. Oh they yeah, did. and it was yeah. like I don't, I don't think we would have saw as much stuff if it wasn't for the rain. To be honest. Did you guys see any like howler monkeys and stuff? Any oh of the, yeah. Any of the bigger fauna? <laughs> yeah. Um, Jaguars, saw... tapers, Sasquatch, chupacabras. Oh man, chupacabras for sure. Um, <laughs> I was yeah, gonna catch everywhere. one. Yeah, I was going to catch one with a snake hook, but, you know, since you can't have a snake hook, I was like, whatever. Did you guys take but... them? You guys took them with you, though, when you did the tours at night, though, right? Oh, yeah, we took It's them. just you, yeah, you couldn't yeah, take them on them. certain patches of land. Yeah, gotcha. like the private yeah. property yeah. We, we went on, we could have our snake hooks. And we, um, Thomas and I bought um, the three-section um, Midwest tongs, the blue ones. Mm-hmm. Um, with the two like black handles on them. Yep. Um, we each bought one of those like pre Costa Rica, like months before. You know, it was totally worth a hundred bucks because it's easy yes, to it collapse was. them and uh, put it in your luggage. Yeah, they make good so. stuff, man. I want to get one of the field hooks from them. Really bad. I need a good good log flipper. Oh yeah, man. They make really good they're, product. They're stout, even though they're like you know three piece. Uh, you know, sectional mm -hmm. snake hook. They, you, they're they got heft to them. Like you can flip heavy stuff for sure. Did you get any strange looks from customs when they when they were looking at those? No, no. honestly, uh, customs was like. <laughs> so the line that we went through before that, I think it was immigration, and then customs just scans your bag. They basically put it through X-ray, and then they say, "Okay, you're good." Huh. <laughs> and so, then the paparazzi was, hits you. Yep. Yeah. Then you then you hit the paparazzi. Um, but yeah, I was actually, I was pretty surprised. I was, um, you know, I didn't want to bring anything illegal back, but I was like, dude, all these plants that I got to pay like, you know, <laughs> 30, 40, yep. $50 for, for my terrariums. Like yeah. I could just, I could totally like just have a pocket full of moss on the airplane. I'll just take one of these know. pups from, from one of these bromeliads. No exactly. one will know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to do that though. <clears throat> I probably could have. Yeah, but it's illegal. So. That had to be cool, though, too. If you're into vivariums and dart frogs and stuff, it was probably really neat to see all that sort of in its natural natural state. Yeah, that was uh, that was, that was was awesome, man. Like, when we were driving from uh, Liberia to La Fortuna, it was, like, once we started hitting, like, the real tall uh, canopy and trees and that sort of mm -hmm. thing, um, there was these, like, cattle fields off on both sides of the road, and the Brahms were just all over every single tree like it was i mean each tree was probably had you know anywhere from like 20 to 40 wow. just growing off of the branches it was amazing it was it was like almost unreal for me i was just like oh my gosh <laughs> did you like um spear was driving you know and i was like dude check out the the bromeliads like growing on all these trees and i was like i just kept pointing them out <laughs> <laughs> like that's amazing like how they just I, I don't even know how they yeah are. it's nuts they're just how there. they get where they're at yeah man. yeah like the i don't know if it's like you know birds or 
or what small mammals. But yeah, they're and they're big. Like some yeah, of them are definitely huge. they're like, massive. Massive, yes. And did like, you? This is like. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say this is like you know total like Jurassic Park style mm-hmm. like forest. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. it was easel of Sonora for sure. Maybe it w- it was easel of new bar too, but mostly Sorna. Yeah, but <laughs> new new bar had the better movies. And seeing the natural, you know, like literally the the original vivarium, you know, did, did you take anything from that and think about changing it how you how you're doing yours at home? Was was like was there anything that yeah, stood out? Yeah, for sure. That, um, the so the one thing that like that that I noticed um, was a lot of a lot of our like glass enclosures they have the the full screen tops, mm-hmm. you know, Exoterra, Zoomedzilla, all that. Um, so I think that like having having just the ambient humidity in in the vivariums will will definitely like set your plants off yeah to success versus having just the full screen top with like a, a light hood on the top mm-hmm. they just dry out so bad right. um and you have to constantly mist them or if you have a a misting system they're constantly running to try to keep up that humidity but mm-hmm. a lot of it there is not it's not from direct rainfall it's from the ambient humidity around like in the air and that's how a lot of the, the plants get their their water right so yeah, I've noticed that with some of my dart frog tanks. Like, I don't even mist mine every day most of the time. You know, I let them go every yeah. other day just because I feel like if I keep watering them daily, I'm probably going to drown everything. Right. They just retain so much humidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it, and if you have that cycle going, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's exactly what it's doing in the wild. It's um, so when we we would go out in the morning time, uh, the sun would come out, it would heat everything up. Yep. It would kind of it wouldn't dry out, but I would say it would dry out more than it was, you know, at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And then the clouds would form up above, and then it would rain, and then it would just start that cycle all over again. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of really cool plants that I saw there, though, that I actually have in some of my uh, vivariums. So oh, I was like, like which oh, ones? wow, that's. Um, I saw a lot of like pilea species. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wandering Jew, surprisingly, there, there was like patches of it just like all over. Yeah, but I've heard um, that'll grow pretty big. much anywhere. Like you could put that in the freaking desert and it would grow. Yeah, actually, uh, I think um, I think uh, a lot of it comes from Central America. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's yeah, it's a very prolific plant. Um, it's it's perfect for uh, humid vivarium. I mean, that stuff will just take over too. Yeah, if you don't you know uh, clip it back, but. It's really pretty though. It's it's got the purple leaves on the back, and it's got the silver line down mm-hmm. the front with the green leaves. Um, it's a really cool species. Yeah, I've got another species in my. I have a grow out bin for some plants right now because I've got another dart frog viv to build soon. And uh, one of them was was it's a purple heart plant is what they call it, and it's similar. It's in the same family. I think it's even in the same genus, but it's a little bigger and it's it's all purple like the entire leaves stems everything is just deep purple but if it gets in lower light it turns green put it back in higher light mm-hmm. it turns purple again it's really really bizarre yeah uh so brahms do that too actually uh from what i've what i've heard they um 
So if they they're outside of uh, light, they're like just in full shade. They'll they'll uh, turn back to green leaves, and mm-hmm. then I think it's like the neo regalia, but they they'll turn red if they're getting more yeah, sunlight. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you kept any dark frogs? If you're a big vivarium guy, or you just do? I that? haven't. I haven't. No, um, I do them for the my geckos mostly um i I was actually after this trip i was like man i want to get some dark frogs yeah man Uh, they're addicting you got to be careful man you'll get hooked quick yeah i just i wanted to build like a just a massive like paludarium after seeing Mm -hmm. what i saw when i was there i was just like i had so many ideas like running through my head (laughs) they're stupid easy man i've i've got Mm -hmm. two tanks that actually have frogs in them and then i've got another two tanks that i just planted about three weeks ago that are cycling and then I've got an empty 36 by 18 by 18. That's going to be my next build. And nice. I have a, I have a buddy here locally who's been breeding his, uh, his leucomelis, which are the yellow and black darts and, uh, the bumblebees. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to him today. He's going to have some for sale soon. So I'm going to try and get this tank up and running so I can get probably four of those bad boys in that thing. That's awesome. It's a, they're so cool. Like you, re- you realize really quick that the frogs are more of the decor than anything else. Like setting up the tank and building it is like the most fun part of it all. Right, and then it's like after you build it and you cycle everything, it's pretty low maintenance. Oh, extremely. Like it, it, I mean, you just water it, and like I have my lights on a on a timer, mm-hmm. so I don't even have to flip them on and off. I'm weird. I like I like turning mine on. It forces me to kind of look inside the the tank and see what's happening. Yeah. But I've also only got a handful of tanks. I don't have, you know, a whole room full of them that I have to do that with, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, automation is nice <clears throat> when you have uh higher numbers, but Yeah, definitely. Um you know, you still have to like scrape down the glass and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but it's it's really like it's like monthly maintenance, clipping everything back and you know, but see, just seeing everything thrive, like yeah. you have all the plants in the right placement with the right drainage and all that. It's so it's neat really to cool. see it start out from like just a few clippings to just exploding mm-hmm. with, with life. It's yeah. it's so neat. It's addicting, man. Like I said, it's just, it just you can never just have one. Like the other two tanks that are planted but don't have anything in it. Those are the the mini exos. That's the twelve by twelve by eighteen, and those are going to be some more Ranitomea tanks. And then I have this big monster of an XO that I don't even know where I'm going to put yet, but I still have to You'll plant that one and everything. Yeah, my roommate's like, because <laughs> I, have, I have the Vitatus. I have three Vitatus that are actually, that's a Costa Rican species. And they're uh, they're from like the Gulf Coast side. Uh, and I never see them. And my roommate's like, if you get something else for that bigger tank, put it in the living room, put those guys in your bedroom. Because I, you know, you never see them. They're, no, they're not a whole lot of fun, but... Mm-hmm. Really pretty They're frogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, if you're gonna put something in there, get something we'll actually see. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Something a little more, a little more exciting. Active during the daytime, yeah. probably. How many geckos are you keeping in the natural setups? Um, right now I just kind of have a handful. I mean, it's uh, geez, I got like, I don't know, seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I've slowly been trying to migrate that way um just because it's you're you're kind of giving them more of what they what they really have in the wild and you're yeah. kind of trying to recreate that so um just with the the sheer number that we have it's kind of like a 
it's like a space issue, but it's also very expensive to build a yeah, a variant for two hundred individuals. So, um, and a, a bulk of that too is is hatchlings. Um, I probably have maybe thirty to forty like adult geckos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, trying to get those kind of set up and everything. So. Yeah, I see people keeping cresteds and natural setups and i don't like i don't have any issue with it but my the first thing i think of especially when it's people that are breeding i'm like man when that female lays her eggs like you have to tear apart everything to find them right (laughs) yeah has that been uh, your experience yes uh actually (laughs) the so the first the first season that um steve and i were keeping uh he actually bred his first pair and we we didn't even know that she she uh laid or where she laid he just he noticed that she was digging and some of the soil was like displaced yeah and uh you know he had the he had like an 18 by 18 by 24 mm-hmm. exoterra and just you know coca fiber substrate all that kind of stuff cork cork bark whatever and so it was such a pain dude to find those eggs <laughs> we we're just i mean he was like pulling apart the whole tank we we're digging around trying to find them and i think she laid them against it was like he did the the mesh um, between the drainage layer and the substrate, oh, and they man. were I think underneath. Somehow she got them underneath there. <laughs> They're really crafty so, at finding like the worst place to to drop those things. They are, and I don't have um, experience with egg laying Chihua yet. I have a female that's about ready to pop, mm-hmm. um, but I do have my Chihua in uh, natural setups and. One thing that I've heard is they they really like cork, so yeah, they will yeah. they will find the most difficult place for you to uh, <laughs> get the eggs from, and they'll they'll lay there. That's their I've, spot. I've also heard that if you try and take the eggs, mom will fight you for them, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know if Leegees do that or not, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too familiar with uh, you know leeches and how you know breeding. I just haven't even really researched it i think they're cool to keep i probably won't breed them myself mm-hmm. i have one right now um it's just she's uh she's just a pet so yeah i never you know I, the thing with lychees like i never really got the hype like i get they're really big and they're really cool but I, i've never had a strong urge to get one but i've got friends that can't they're... wait like they want one so bad and i'm just kind of <laughs> like why like, I, I mean it's like it's cool it's just a really big gecko but i mean as far as like color and stuff i'm like me they're just i don't know yeah i mean there's there's uh, some that are like the melanistics those are really cool mm-hmm. i'd um, get chihuahuas like way them. sooner before i got leegees like chihuahuas i have a lot chihuahuas. of interest in yeah chihuahuas are cool for sure i just yeah. have the one leechy cuz uh I just I never had one before. I thought they were pretty interesting, just having a large mm-hmm. size gecko. Um, I've never, you know, personally witnessed like their their uh, you know personality or attitude as like on a regular. Um, mine honestly just kind of hangs out. I mean, <laughs> she's she just there. Yeah, she's just kind of there. She she <laughs> eats and she's a she's a poop machine for sure. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, when you do take her out, she's I mean she'll she's fast when she wants to be right um, but you know i mean she's not real flighty like the crest star she, she'll be comfortable just sitting mm-hmm. on your arm or your shoulder or whatever um, i mean i would imagine something bigger like that probably has a good bit of power and can probably jump pretty well mm-hmm. if they want yeah to. she's 
she's gotten away from me a couple times and uh you know it's kind of scary because i have kind of an open reptile room and then there's the rest of my house mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of hiding spots so um yeah it's kind of like worrisome taking her out sometimes not knowing if she's gonna lunge or just hang out um but i've caught her every time so yeah i was fortunate to not have too many uh too many geckos escape on me i had one or two that were as soon as the tub was open man they were gone mm-hmm. and every time it was like i just want to get in and get out and so i'd drop their food and i'd put the lid back on because as soon as they saw it was off they they bolted it was one male mm-hmm. in particular especially he was when he when he got sold i was like thank god because that thing <laughs> if man he'd he'd do laps around me he'd just go up my right. shirt off my back onto the floor back up my arm top of my head mm-hmm. A lot of slapping noises on yep, the table, yep. on, the, on the wall, on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> one time he jumped on my face, and uh, one of his claws he got right into like my uh, uh, my septum, like right oh, on the inside of my yeah. nose. Man, my eyes teared up so quick; it hurt so bad. I was like, yeah, it was in tears. You don't think of crested geckos as, as like having super sharp claws, but dude, after after a day of cleaning tanks. My arms have welts, like, from the geckos crawling up and, you know. I mean, they got sticky pads, but the claws are mostly what they, mm-hmm. they hold on to. Uh, did you, like, I always found anytime I handled mine and they climbed on me, like, I got little red dots all over me. Did you get that same thing? Yep. Yeah. I always thought that was strange because yeah. I never saw anybody else getting them. But it was like they'd climb really? on me, and, yeah, it was like you could follow their little snail trail of breakouts. Much, yeah, <laughs> like welts, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just uh, inflammation. You yeah. Know, when when they break when they actually break the skin, your your body just has that inflammation response. So it's nothing really major. It's, it doesn't itch or anything. It's just visual. Mm-hmm. You know. Cool. Well, y'all, we're at an hour thirty three. All right. All right on. Steve, do you have anything oh, else to, to cover? You got anything else to um, add? Did we forget anything? Uh, I think we covered everything all the important stuff about costa rica um future plans uh, yeah let's jump into that real quick yeah so what do we got going on after our costa rica trip it kind of opened everybody's eyes on like how we keep our reptiles and like why do we keep them and yep what we want to do with them in the future because when you're not in your reptile room and you actually go somewhere where it's like a natural environment and you get to see these animals in the wild, um, that kind of triggered, um, like I want to start like a reptile zoo, like here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that that'll be something that'll pick up in the future. Uh, sort of like a prehistoric pets deal. Yeah. Um, I know that that'll be decades in the making, but you know, probably start out with a storefront. Um, but the main focus will be, uh, wanting to do a reptile zoo. Um, but I want to keep, um, like the most exotic, interesting things on display, mm-hmm. um, with as naturalistic possible setups as I can get. Yeah. Um, you know, like pretty much like live terrariums, but like on a large scale, um, showing off like reptiles and stuff like that. So hopefully that'll be something that'll happen in the future, but I think it's uh, on the right track. 
Cool, man. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's gonna be awesome, but it's gonna be uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is. You you know, like I said, it it won't happen overnight, but um, it it will happen. I've decided that that's gonna happen in my life. Like I'm not gonna be stuck in this nine to five and then retire. Right. You got to like, do what you love, man. Otherwise, what is what is your, your life? You, What's the point yeah. of being here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like even though I'm only 31 years old, when I think about it, I'm like, dude, 31 years went by, and it's like, how much time do I have left on right. this planet? It goes by quick live... when you look back at it, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like so. That's why I want to make the future count, and I want to make my dream succeed. Um, I don't know if you want to chime in at all on that Thomas, like maybe what's yeah, your future I, plans and what I, you want to do. So I was, when we went there, I was all about that, their, uh, their culture there be just being, you know, conservationists and, um, just everything natural as it's supposed to be, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I'd like to, uh, focus on in the future. Um, it's just being, you know, offering the animals what, what they, what they get in the wild, without um you know obviously like predation (laughs) um otherwise you wouldn't have an exhibit but uh yeah i just i just i really like uh i really like the the natural setups giving the animal exactly what what they would see in the wild um and just putting them on display so that people are more aware of them Mm -hmm. um i know that uh us arc is like really fighting right now against um like transportation of exotic species. Um, somebody had mentioned that to me earlier today. Uh, so that's actually, that's a huge deal for um, any sort of expos. Uh, we, we typically vend expos, uh, Seattle, Spokane area, and oftentimes Oregon. So we're crossing state lines with our exotics all the time. Um, and I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of our right to keep um, as long as we're doing it responsibly and Definitely. and by doing something like that, we're that's in that's a, a social outreach to show people this is this is how you can do it the mm-hmm. right way, you know. We're not all ca- we're not all cowboying up and trying to do stupid, you know. Yeah, we're exactly. not all free handling. Well, Steve, where can Sorry. people find you? You can find me at Southern Arboreals on Facebook. Uh, I'm currently work, working on a web page right now. Uh, hopefully, I'll have that up and running soon. You can find me on Instagram at Steve at Southern Arboreals. Um, and you can find me on YouTube, Southern Arboreals. Cool. Thomas? Um, Thomas, you can find me at Austral Gecko on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we also have a website, AustralGecko.com. Um, feel free to message us uh, if you prefer email australgecko at gmail.com is fine uh we answer most of our messages as we uh as we get them we we kind of get quite a bit of emails so um if it's you know taking longer than a day please be patient uh Mm -hmm. we will answer you so if you have any questions regarding rack species or um you know keeping at all yeah another thing i wanted to ask you thomas with with you selling as many geckos as you do but have you noticed a major difference with the facebook crackdown like have you been have you oh yeah have you, has it been yeah, more difficult uh, for you we well so you can still share um you can still share 
your links to your web page or right uh, i think you can link like morph market we actually um we had a morph market account but we we kind of were a little more active on it <laughs> when all that started happening um and it's been fruitful for us um as long as everybody kind of like gravitates towards the same thing, I think that it'll be successful. Mm-hmm. As long as everybody knows where to look. Before Facebook, it was Fauna. Right. You know, it's nothing different. I think it's just uh, you know shifting gears to, to something new. So. Yeah. Going back to the old. Exactly, and Morph Markets actually, I, I like it. You can, I mean, you can type in like keywords to find uh, you know certain traits for animals that you're looking for and all that kind of stuff. It, it makes it pretty easy. Yeah, everyone I've talked to that uses it, they said they've been happy with it. Yeah. And you, I mean, you contact the seller and it goes straight to their email. So Nice. It's not like they've got to log in to Morph Market. Right, it's not it, another like, thing for them to check. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. All right, y'all. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, yep. thanks for having us. Yep, thanks for having us. Uh, uh, Steve, I'll probably see you at Daytona if you're. You said you were planning on going or gonna try. Yep, I I should be able to make it. Cool, because uh, I was actually talking to Ian today, but they got the uh, Southeast Carbon Fest 2020 planning meeting there while while that weekend while everyone's down there. So yeah, I should be able to make that. Cool. Cool. All right, y'all. Well, I appreciate it again. Yeah. And uh, yep, everyone. Take care, man. Be sure to check y'all out. Everyone, I'll uh, I'll have links to to both both your pages and stuff in uh on our Facebook post about this. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Thanks. Take it easy. Take care, everyone. Bye. Have a good one. All right. Episode forty-three. Even though technically it would be forty-two, because I actually realized the other day that we missed episode thirty-nine entirely, so we went from thirty-eight to forty. But maybe we'll fix that one day. Maybe we won't. Um. Thanks again to Steve and Thomas for coming on. Uh, everybody, we have a new website. I forgot to mention this last episode. Uh, it's got all kinds of cool stuff. I'm working on adding stuff to it all the time. going to be adding some cool articles with uh, some of the people in the hobby that we really respect. Um, it's theherpeticulturepodcast.com. Please be sure to subscribe via SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Uh, I'm slowly working on adding these episodes to our YouTube channel, so hopefully if you find us via YouTube, thank you once again. If you want to catch episodes as they come out, subscribe to any of those platforms. And that's it. We'll be back next week. Jake should be with me. I don't think he's going anywhere again for a while. Um, Thanks for tuning in. See you all later. (laughs) 